are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a July 10th Monday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, writer at many places these days, Real GM, AP, former Blazer beat writer at the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back to Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On podcast network, where we have you covered from every angle locally, giving you the local take and perspective on the biggest stories in the NBA and the NFL, and of course, the ones that affect your favorite team, which includes the Portland Trailblazers. So welcome back to Locked On Blazers. We just had some basketball over the weekend. Very excited that we got some hoops to watch, even if it is summer league and it's not very good. Uh, it was it's it was fun to watch the guys. It was first to get a, a, a fun first impression of the the two rookie big men in Zach Collins and Caleb Swanigan. You get to see some of the growth, perhaps, from guys like Jake Lehman and Pat Connaughton, who are also still uh, on the roster, and Connaughton himself, who is is fighting for his spot, uh, most notably. The Blazers are 1-1 one one after two games in Las Vegas. They won their first game in Vegas, 72-63 against the Utah Jazz Summer League squad. They were led by Caleb Swanigan who had 16 points and 13 rebounds in the effort. Swanigan has been a beast so far in the two games, has looked very good and obviously looked very good in that game, leading the Blazers to a victory. Jake Lehman had 13 points on 4 of 8 shooting. Pat Connaughton didn't necessarily have the greatest shooting game. He didn't make a basket, in fact, in the, the win over Utah, but he did have 6 assists, so... It looked like he was facilitating a little bit more. They haven't really been playing with a true point guard. They've been running R.J. Hunter, who came into the league as a shooting guard when he was drafted, running point guard, and then also Connaughton as well. So it's been interesting to see them run without a point guard. I feel like the team has run better when they've had Jorge Gutierrez in the game, who has had a couple NBA stops, has 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 been in the league and, and played point guard for the Nets and the Bucks for, for, for a few years. So he has really, he has actual NBA experience leading, a, running the show out there and leading a team on the court. And I think they look better out there, but uh, they, they really have looked weird at times not having a real point guard and it sometimes causes problems. But I think also too, I, I kind of like the idea, though, of going point guardless. Let your guys kind of stretch themselves a little bit and see what more they can do as playmakers in this setting because it's low risk and it doesn't really matter. Uh, also, in that that win against the Jazz, Zach Collins had ten points and seven rebounds. He still has not really found his shot. He knocked down a three pointer against the Jazz, but he was three of thirteen otherwise. And he hasn't shot well at all so far in the summer league so far. But I have been impressed with what 
he he has done. I, I I like both of the big guys. They have played very well, and I think it's important. Summer league is not about the stats. Uh, I I'm more like watching summer league just to see how guys are playing from a just a just evaluating them it, with when not paying attention really to the stats or the 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 wins or losses i mean stats do tell some of the story like the rebounding numbers and stuff like that you like seeing collins and swanigan hit the glass but i do like the way that they're playing defense i like how they are moving on the defensive end it seems like both of these guys really understand where to be and that really helps and then offensively they're moving around a lot they're doing a lot of different things they're swanigan uh looks to be a little bit more advanced in the post though so far the blazers had another summer league game and they did not win the one that they had yesterday against the boston celtics Swanigan led the Blazers again. He had 12 points and seven rebounds. Didn't shoot all that well. Swanigan really hasn't shot that well. He's shooting about 33%, but he is so far after two games, he's seventh in rebounds per game in the summer league, averaging 10 because he had 13 in game one. He had seven in game two. So average that out. That's 10 rebounds a game. Pat Connaughton had 11 points, four assists and four turnovers. He kind of turned it on a little bit late to help Portland make it more respectable. The final score of, 70 to 64 not really all that telling from having watched the game Boston went up 11-0 they then went on another big run and Portland fought and they they inched their way back into the game to make it respectable but for the most part Boston dominated this game and it it got close at the end Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have both been Excellent for the the Celtics all throughout Summer League. Jason Tatum did not hit a ton of his shots, but he did hit a bunch of tough ones, mostly against Jake Lehman. Lehman guarded him and Jalen Brown a a lot in this game. Lehman had seven points. He did not have a good game. He had seven points in in the, the loss to Boston on one of 13 shooting. Still has not really found his stroke in the Summer League so far. And then Collins, once again, shooting poorly, three of 13, but productive even if not if not efficient, 10 points and 7 boards. I like the activity from Collins. I think he's definitely more advanced on the defensive end at this point in terms of knowing where to be, contesting shots, using his verticality, get, being disruptive, and, and, and things like that. I, I really think that he, he's much more advanced right now on the defensive end than he is on the offensive end. I, I think he runs into trouble sometimes, which some this was one of the, the knocks on him coming into the league was that he wasn't that big and couldn't really punish, you know, couldn't really post up against big guys because he's not that strong or that big. He sh- struggled with that specific skill, the posting up and backing guys down in in summer league so far. he He's had a couple of opportunities to back guys down and he just doesn't make and he doesn't really clear any space for himself and he's not he's not creating any crashes with the defense he's not creating the defense to collapse and and find open guys with his post-up game it's just not happening right now he's not big enough and that's okay because he I that's I just want to make sure that we're we understand that because I think one of the things that we've learned now about basketball and maybe we, we, we had a 
a very close look at it for a few years here is that the post-up, while it is important and really I think in the playoffs becomes even more important if you can if successfully post up, that that is a, a great thing to have and an advantage, but it's not the most important thing to an efficient offense. I think just getting quality shots whichever way they come is is important and and a lot of the things that that Collins does that encourages me on the offensive end he sets screens he knows how to keep the ball moving to get open looks he also hasn't been hesitant in shooting the ball I like that the release on his shot is pretty quick it it kind of looks a little bit like Myers Leonard's uh, shot it's just it looks like it's a little bit more sped up and I, I, I do like the, the quick release. He's able to get his shot off pretty well. And I like that he continues to play within the flow of the offense. And even though he's had frustrating moments where he's trying to post up and he's not having much success, I like that he keeps playing. He doesn't react. He, he, he just keeps playing the game and keeps the ball moving and stays within the game. And he can be pretty chippy at times still. You could see the kind of look on his face sometimes where he just gets that that mean look. And I think he's going to be fine. I, 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 I like the way he's played so far. It hasn't been efficient from a shooting standpoint. He hasn't knocked down a ton of shots. He hasn't won, had one big breakout game yet. But I think really defensively, he's really done a good job of helping when needed and studying back and getting out to the perimeter and blocking shots at the rim and, and, and just doing all the things and meeting guys in the middle and not just letting guys get a full head of steam to the basket. I, I, I've i been really impressed with the way Collins plays defense and just his understanding of the defensive game, which is hard sometimes because a lot of guys come in from the college game where they are allowed to camp in the lane and and they don't know how to 2.9 which is to be in the paint for 2.9 seconds and get out or or just little things like that and it seems like Collins really does have an understanding about that and I, I guess you know credit to his pedigree going to a team at Gonzaga that is is a really good program and it looks like he he knows what to do out there so Zach Collins looking very good in summer league, I think on the defensive end more so than anything, I think his stats, they're not great, but I also don't think that they're anything to worry about. Um, then with the other big man, the 26 pick in the first round of the 2017 draft, Caleb Swanigan, just really going in there and, and doing what he did in college. And I was actually more impressed with his defense. Again, this is another thing with both of these guys is that I think they were better defensively than I thought. Summer League, obviously, the ball handlers are not as talented. I think a lot of teams could also be doing what what Portland is doing. I mean, Boston's doing it where they're not really going with a traditional point guard to start. They're trying to work the ball into their wings. and But, but at the same time, Portland faced a, a real nice point guard in, in Donovan Mitchell against the Jazz. And... They did pretty well, and that was what it. Pre- that was the first game that really impressed me was Swanigan meeting ball handlers in the middle of the floor around that mid-range, you know, mid-post area around the free throw line, and he would step to them and and meet them in their space, and and but also he would step and then 
jet back and 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 recover and he was really looking in rhythm out there and that is the one thing that I'm really impressed by and just really love about Caleb Swanigan because I'm I'm a sucker for guys that when you watch the game it looks natural to them it looks like they understand where to be all the time and understand the game and movement and how to step and where the, to to maneuver the dance so to speak of defense because that's really what it is you have to know where to step where to be at all times you have to know where your screen is coming you have to know where your help is going to be and it's all this intricate dance that's what it really is and swanigan understands the rhythm of the dance he knows how to step in front and then step back and use his length to recover and contest shots he was doing that in pick and roll situations he was doing that against the celtics off switches whether he was getting caught on jason tatum or 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 jalen brown or or semi ojale who ojale may not be uh, even though i like him as a player just may not be the the ju- he doesn't have a whole lot of juice off the off the bounce with the ball in his hands but still swanigan was really sticking with the guys that are a lot quicker that are a lot faster and he manages pretty well because he knows where to be. He knows how to play the game. Guys like this, when I talk about guys that are that look like it's it's natural to them, I, I'm talking about like a Boris Diaw type, or or to a, a, an extreme you know, example of this, or, or that's very recent is is Draymond Green, where he just knows where to be and can read the game ahead, two three steps ahead, and Swanigan while he may not be the most laterally quick guy and he hasn't been the most efficient from a shooting standpoint he he's clearly on the defensive end he even though he is a rookie and obviously summer league is a little bit easier to manage because playbooks are smaller guys aren't really running a lot of set plays they're mostly running sets and and just motion and and all this stuff they're just running more basic concepts but Swanigan knows where things are going to be knows where things are going to happen and that's also part of why he's such a good rebounder he he knows where the shot is going to be he knows where the ball is going to bounce and guys just have that sometimes and if nothing else I am really encouraged by the fact that Swanigan at 20 years old, already kind of knows the steps and just has that sixth sense about basketball that guys that are as talented as that don't always have. It's not a given that people that are that talented and are that good and that skilled at the game are also two steps ahead and can anticipate and and can really exploit other teams. And, and I think that Swanigan really knows where to be where to step and and even though it's summer league I I really am encouraged by him and the thing with Swanigan is is that you know he might be ready to contribute sooner than than Collins because Collins his he might be able to make I, I don't know it's going to be a battle right now you know it's going to be Swanigan or Collins or Myers Leonard so so this could be a battle here but in the early looks of it it looks like of the two players that you have if you had to push me to say which guy is more ready to contribute in October or in November I'm going to say Swanigan because I think what he does is already 
what he's going to do for the rest of his career is already what he's doing. He doesn't need, I don't think he necessarily needs to find his way. Like he knows what to do. He needs, he knows to rebound. He can pass the ball. He can play a little bit. He can shoot and score. He has range. He also flashed a little bit of a Dirk step and this jumper where, you know, he leans back off one foot, but it looks like that's something that he actually practices. And it looks like it's something he puts in work on. It's not, that he's forcing it just because it's summer league. And it just seems like he has more of a developed game where as Collins, he is more, I think his, his, his role to start is going to have to be a lot simpler. And I think Swanigan could probably be trusted with a little bit more on the offensive end, I guess is what I'm saying. I just think Swanigan is a little bit more advanced offensively because he can post up. He is a little bit bigger. He has more moves on that end. And I think his defense has been such that against second units, against benches, why not try it? And so I, I it's early, it's summer league, but if I had to guess which one of these two guys is more ready than the other, I would say Swanigan. And, uh, and I, I like Swanigan's feel for the game. It's really, really nice to see. And you know what else is really nice to see are games and concerts in person when you can be there, feel the action, feel the rhythm of the beats, feel the rhythm like Caleb Swanigan does. But the best way to be there is to be there in person. And the best way to get there is via SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As I've mentioned before, I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's the easiest way to find tickets for my favorite events that I want to go to with my friends. I can be anywhere, and just with a few taps, I can find seats instantly. And a couple of weeks ago, I was able to go to the Future concert with my friends. We, we waited a little bit. We, we weren't on the ball to get the tickets when they came out, but we we found them on SeatGeek. It was super easy. Found them at a great price, and it saved us time and, and made the that part of the trip and that planning stress-free. They get you the most bang for your buck. They grade every deal from 1 to 100 with their deal score, and every purchase is fully guaranteed. So you don't have to worry about about fakes or anything. Those tickets are going to be for real. Make the SeatGeek app your go-to for finding the best deals on every type of ticket from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. But the best thing about SeatGeek is that my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. So to collect that $20 rebate, just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code L-O-N-B-A. That's L-O-N-B-A. That's L-O-N-B-A. NBA for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LONBA today. So, as I mentioned, Swanigan and Collins have been pretty fun. I, I, I am enjoying my first impression of both of these guys. I, I really think that both of them will be productive players in the NBA someday. I think it's a little, I, I think it's very early to say that right now about a 19 and a 20 year old, but I, I do believe what I said about Swanigan in that Myers Leonard and, and Noah Vonley and, and these guys are going to have to battle. This is not going to be, uh, this is not going to be easy. I think Vonley has, has looked good at summer league in times as well. And, 
and and Myers Leonard has had his moments uh, with the Blazers in 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 regular season games. So, yeah, if nothing else, it, it could be a motivation for those guys. But I also think too these guys these guys can play, and and I've been really impressed with how competent they have looked all week uh, or in all weekend in those first two games. I I. I, I've heard great things about, about Collins, obviously, from, from lots of draft people thinking that he's very good. And, and I liked his mobility out there, and I liked some of the other things he can do. I liked his the quick release on his shot. I liked his willingness to set screens and pop out to the paint and, and his understanding of spacing. I like Swanigan's understanding of spacing as well. I like his ability to catch the ball in the post and, and look for cutters and, and, and make plays. I like both of those things. And I think Swanigan... Can, can could maybe even help off the bench next year, or at least he has a chance to do that I, with with how he's played for me. A, a couple of the other guys though that that have not that I, I do want to talk about because it's important. Jake Lehman and Pat Connaughton. Connaughton uh, has 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 not uh, done all that well. I think it's been a tough it's been a tough summer league for him. He hasn't shot the ball well. He has been distributing well, and I think. He's been taking advantage of the fact that the Blazers don't have a traditional point guard by by creating some assists and creating playmaking opportunities for his his teammates. But overall, it, it, it hasn't been the the most impressive of efforts. And and another thing that I I wish maybe we saw a little bit more of that maybe this is on purpose. Maybe they're not ready for him to try this. But I I really wish we could get a little bit more action with with Layman handling the ball. I, I I know that they have lots of guys that their agents want to make sure they get minutes so that they can maybe get an overseas contract or a camp invite and all that stuff and I, and I get that. I would like I would also like to see Layman kind of stretch himself a little bit more and and I feel like too often in the summer league he's been relegated to the corner and just shooting threes and 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 and, and just doing that and he has gotten shots. I'm not saying that he hasn't gotten shots, but I, one of the things that I keep on finding myself wanting to see when I'm watching these games is I want to see, I want to see if Layman can do a little bit with the ball in his hands, because if he could, that would be a, a major plus and, and he wouldn't just have to be a standstill guy. He could be a guy that could attack closeouts and uh, I, I, or, or, or run a pick and roll on a weak side or something like that with his what we think is to be is is pretty good shooting ability that he has flashed at times and and so one of the things i wish we were seeing a little bit more of is layman handling the ball because you know Connaughton i think is getting good reps he's getting opportunities and he's running the offense and i think he's he's kind of shepherding the team a little bit more but he's also there it also he also hasn't really has really jumped out at you and it it feels very much the same from the, the last couple of years of summer league. Now that's not to say that that's necessarily dooming him. That's not to say that he can't make the team still that he can't be on the Blazers by doing that. Because when he's on the Blazers, he doesn't really need to handle the ball. He just needs to be able to knock down open shots, defend and rebound. But he also, you also wish you saw a little bit more out there and maybe he has a uh, one breakout game here in Vegas. They're two games in. They got one game left tomorrow in the prelims. 
against the Spurs. So maybe we'll get another opportunity to see Connaughton stretch himself and, and have an opportunity to show something. But uh, his, his performances so far have just been a little – they just haven't been – they've just been a little underwhelming. They just haven't really grabbed you and said, hey, this, this guy – this guy definitely should have that spot, and 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 I don't like saying that. It's, but I, but it it's it just kind of how it is that he he hasn't really been consistent with creating shots or getting good shots or knocking down shots, and and he was dishing assists the other day in in the summer league game, which was good, and and I have liked his floor game, but uh, it hasn't necessarily been impressive and this being his third summer league and the second one that he's getting now as the number one guy, essentially it's it. You want to see more, but sometimes this happens at summer league. You sometimes you're only as good as the competition. I, I think sometimes going back to summer league when you're a little bit older, isn't, isn't great for everyone. I think, Noah Vonley last summer had a really bad summer league after having a good one the year before in his first one with the Blazers. He went to Vegas last year, did not play well, did not perform well, was disappointed, and I think it motivated him to come back and play better. And he eventually had some growth towards the end of the season that you could really see. But Connaughton just has not has not really given off that growth or, or, or that just haven't seen it necessarily yet, but he did perform pretty well at the the times that he had an opportunity last year in brief moments. So maybe he gets an opportunity, and also at the same time, Portland's already in the luxury tax, and they may not want to unnecessarily add another five million dollars to a team just to make just to get past the just to get into the playoffs, but. They still have that option. They still have that taxpayer mid-level exception. But fiscally, it would probably make the most sense to keep Connaughton just because it's it's the financially it just makes the most sense for them. And with your fifteenth guy, ultimately, how much does does that matter? And and what effect would it have to you know bringing a guy with the taxpayer mid-level exception to be your who it, depending on who it is, it could be someone who could be in the rotation, but then you're knocking down someone who's already in the rotation down to basically never playing. So that's another factor to consider is that Portland already has a problem with with too many guys, and if they have a trade here in 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 July here before we get to August and 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 things start to wind down, if they have a trade, then then maybe that opens them up to to look more at free agent help and and those are the those players that are on the market, but. There are less players on the market right now. So let's run down some of this free agent news before we wrap up today's episode. The Toronto Raptors executed a sign and trade for CJ Miles with the Indiana Pacers after shipping Damari Carroll and his remaining $30 million on his contract, as well as a first round pick and a second round pick to the Brooklyn Nets for Justin Hamilton. So those are two separate moves that are basically one, the Raptors sending Damari Carroll's contract to Brooklyn, dumping the first and second picks to dump that for Justin Hamilton to get some salary cap relief. 
I think this may be instructive to let us know what it would take to dump Crab's contract or Evan Turner's contract. Carroll makes a little bit less than both of them, but that looks like that's the price, or at least it was the price for Toronto, being that they just signed Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka to big deals. They have DeRozan on a big deal, so... Uh, maybe that tells us a little bit about the price, and I guess the, that bring the next question I have after that is, if that's the price, is it really worth it to get rid of these guys? I'm not sure because I think the the pick itself is is worth more than the cap relief that you might get. And after the first luxury tax, then then Crab only has two years left and he has even less if you trade him at the deadline before the repeater tax comes and I think he would have one and a half or one and a third years left when the repeater tax could come in in two years so um I don't think it's worth it to get rid of that to do that right now and I think crab definitely still has a little something else there under the surface that I think he can access and and Turner I think may look a little bit better with another year in the system with the Blazers and also just understanding his teammates because he really seems like a guy that needs that that level of understanding. The Wizards match on Otto Porter, so they are going to keep him and try and run it back again in Washington after going seven games and almost making the Eastern Conference Finals this past year. They don't have as much cap space now that they've absorbed the Damari Carroll contract, but we'll see. They, they still are a little bit of a player, so they, they could throw some money at some of these remaining restricted free agents, and there are still some other teams that have cap space that could throw an offer at these restricted free agents that are out there on the market. Guys like Jonathan Simmons or Jermichael, Jonathan Simmons of the Spurs and Jermichael Green of the Memphis Grizzlies, and then there's unrestricted guys who, who could get uh, a lot of money or maybe a lot of money in a short-term deal like Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Tony Allen, who is a player that I targeted for Portland on the eve of free agency that they could get with the taxpayer mid-level exception. He's still out on the market whether he wants to sign with a, a Blazers team that's going to be fighting to make the playoffs is another question and also whether the role in Portland would be satisfactory for him because Portland already has enough trouble sorting through their wing players that it's not going to be a guarantee that Tony Allen plays uh, on a nightly basis. But at the same time, I think at his age, you don't want to overextend him. And if you're going to sign him, you want him for the postseason because he can really uh, turn up the defense and you can really put him on, on some of the best offensive players in the league and he can give them trouble. But health seems like always is, is, is a struggle with Tony Allen that he's, he's often not always healthy because I think because of that style, that junkyard dog style that he plays where he's ultra aggressive and, and just doesn't give in on the defensive end. And then another free agent note, James Harden signed the biggest extension in NBA history, $228 million to stay with the Houston Rockets and uh, set up a potential super, super max deal with the Rockets. Uh, there has been no further update on the trade rumor that got reported last week involving Carmelo Anthony. 
the trade as a refresher would be Carmelo Anthony going to the Houston Rockets and names that have been mentioned for Portland that have been talked about for a potential three-team deal, Myers Leonard, Maurice Harkless, and Ryan Anderson. Uh, that would be uh, an interesting move, but uh, we have no further information on that at this point in terms of uh, no no further development on that rumor. And Jamal Crawford signed with the Minnesota Timberwolves as well. So the Timberwolves get a, a backup point guard to run their second unit. They get another veteran, and and they keep on improving, and, and the Northwest Division keeps on getting better. Portland has stayed put for the most part. They have not made any moves the, so far. They they may get involved in trades. There have been rumors. They they don't necessarily have the picks anymore. Uh, they they have used them, but perhaps uh, they they are trying to. The, the reason that they've been mentioned in the Mellow trade is that they have salaries that make the trade work. So uh, I I think that's also just a common sense thing. Is that is that Portland has salaries. They have guys that make enough money that you could consummate a mellow trade to 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 satisfy the the salary needs of the trade because mellow with twenty six million dollars you know they're gonna have to take some money back and uh, so so they need those contracts so that that's uh, another reason why Portland has been mentioned in this so we have not heard anything else on that this is gonna be it for today's episode the Blazers have another summer league game on Tuesday I believe it's an afternoon matinee situation against the San Antonio Spurs so if you're at work you know maybe maybe look at that or something I don't I'm not sure but uh, or or if maybe take a long lunch and watch some summer league basketball but that's going to do it for us on this edition of Locked On Blazers keep it locked on here on the feed we will try and get some guests this week that were at summer league they can give us a breakdown and also we're going to run down all of the other summer league stories and 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 as we continue to get a, a clearer picture of what the league is going to look like we're going to evaluate where the Blazers stand and and start thinking about uh, next year and, and and what things they can do. And, of course, we'll, we'll also discuss some of these summer league games when they play tomorrow and after they make it into the uh, knockout stages or the tournament stage, if you will, of the Las Vegas Summer League. Could they go for the banner and, and bring it home? So, of course, I, I know that we're all hoping – to see a you know a deep summer league tournament run to play until you know late July or whatever, which I would I would feel bad for everyone having to stay there, but of course I'm sure they would want to play and win and all that stuff. So keep it locked on here. We'll be back with you with another episode after Tuesday's game, breaking it down, letting you know what we're seeing and and how these guys are doing. So keep it locked on, Blazers, Stitcher, iTunes, Audio Boom, Google Play, TuneIn FM. Wherever you can get a podcast, we are there. Leave us a five-star review, and we will catch you next time.